Please be turning with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 this evening. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We have been doing here on Wednesday night somewhat loosely associated, but a series on prayer. We've been looking at some of the times in which Jesus prayed. And we'll get back to that, as the good Lord wills. But another prayer that has struck me many times is this one here in 2 Chronicles 20, the prayer of Jehoshaphat. The prayer of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is one of the great kings of Judah. When you look into 2 Chronicles, you look at chapters 1 through 9, you will see a great emphasis on the, on the time of Solomon and his reign over God's people. And that reminds us of quite a bit of the history of God's people. You recall that the people desired to have a king to be like the other nations. And so God brought them the king of Saul, David, and Solomon. Before that, God's people were uh, led by different judges, uh, one of which was Samuel. But also you remember before that that Joshua helped to bring the people into the promised land to conquer and to settle down. Before that, you know that Moses was God's chosen man to bring his people out of the bondage of Egypt into through the wilderness and labored all those years with God's people. This brings us over to the time of the Chronicles. Quite a few years after Solomon, we have the reign of Jehoshaphat. And after Solomon, you remember that there was a division among God's people. And so you have the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. If you notice here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there is a threat. Let's look down to verse 1. There's a threat that's coming upon the people. It says, uh, verse 1, After this the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat uh, for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, they said, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, there in Hazazon Tamar, and that is in Jindi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And so from verses 5 through 12, we're going to be 
looking at Jehoshaphat's prayer in this time of stress. It's a great prayer. Great prayer. We'll look at four parts of the prayer, little by little, and we'll see, I think we'll see just in a very obvious way, the way this ought to apply uh, to our prayer life. Okay. As always, you are welcome to uh, make appropriate comments to help our, our discussion. Okay. I want us to first notice uh, together how uh, much reverence Reverence. First key word tonight is reverence. Notice the reverence that um, Jehoshaphat shows in the first part of his prayer. We say reverence, we mean devotion to God, a great deal of love and respect for God, even a great deal of insight into who God is. So read with me here in verse 5. And six, it says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord <clears throat> before the new court. And he said, notice his words, verse six, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations in your hand our power and might so that none is able to withstand you. See that reverence in verse 6. Notice the question he asks. He says, O Lord, are you not God in heaven? Okay. This is one of those questions that expects a positive answer. In other words, you, O Lord, only you are God in heaven. Aren't you that, Lord? Yes, He is. He is that. Okay. So He is exalting the Lord in prayer, giving a great deal of reverence. Okay. God is presented here as the great international God. He is not just God of Judah and Jerusalem in these days, but He is the God of the entire universe. He's the God of all the nations. Same way today. He is our God, but He is also the ruler of the entire earth. Okay. Jump over with me and notice how Daniel brings this out in the book of Daniel. Right quick. As Daniel interprets dreams for Nebuchadnezzar, you'll notice in your reading of Daniel, you'll notice how much, well, just how stubborn how direct Daniel was to, to make sure the credit of interpreting the dreams does not go to him, but to God. But in Daniel 2, verse 17. Daniel 2, beginning in verse 17. said, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Michelle, and a Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. 
And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Notice this verse 20 and 21. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons, and he removes kings and sets up kings. Notice again Daniel 4. Daniel chapter 4. Notice in Daniel 4, 17. He says, the, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and he gives these kingdoms to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Again, Daniel 4, verse 32 says, Until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, He gives these kingdoms to whom He will. Now in those days, the nations thought, with their strategies and with their wars and their battles and their threatenings, they thought that they were in control. Daniel, and then also back Jehoshaphat in his day, they are making it known that you may think you're in control, but God is the real, he's the real authority. He is sovereign God, and he rules over all the nations. And we see that today even, don't we? we when we listen to people, and we listen to rulers, we listen to politicians, it's as if they think that they are in control when in reality, God is still on his throne. Okay. And so notice the reverence, notice the way in which Jehoshaphat, back here in 2 Chronicles 20, notice how he begins his prayer with a great deal of reverence. And the Bible teaches everywhere that we ought to uh, begin our prayers in that way. So don't be too quick to begin your prayers. Don't be so quick to, to address God and then get right into your needs. Rather, take some time in prayer to praise the Lord. And the, the examples in the New Testament are along this line as well. Okay. One I'd like to point out to you is in Ephesians uh, 3, how Paul is expressing to the, his fellow Christians in Ephesus, and he prays for them. But notice how he begins his prayer, Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So these examples could be multiplied. Remember when Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, he says you need to start out and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. In other words, in our minds we need to set God apart as being the holiest, the most powerful, the ruler, 
a sovereign God who blesses us and from whom is every uh, blessing. You find a way and I'll find a way in our personal prayers to extol God, to lift Him up. But that is the way uh, we are to begin prayer. You see that? So our first idea here is reverence uh, in prayer. And so that takes some doing. If we're going to be reverent in prayer, then you have to stop and consider what you're about to do. Maybe you need to get off by yourself. Maybe you need to look at some scriptures, but you've got to get in a good frame of mind in order to give the praise to God we need to give uh, in prayer. Worship is, of course, designed to be done by, by us when we get together, but there also ought to be quite a bit of personal worship going on between you and your God all throughout the week, especially in meditating on His Word and prayer. So the first part of Jehoshaphat's prayer here is reverence, reverence. All right. Notice the second part, verse, verse 7. He said to God, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Okay. What's he talking about there? What's he talking about in verse 7? Did you not drive out the inhabitants on the land? What's he talking about? Okay, when they came into the land through uh, the leadership of Joshua, uh, Ai and, and Jericho and all those uh, different uh, people, God was leading them. He's, and he's giving God the credit. You drove those people away so that your people could conquer the land. Okay. Brent's saying that they were driven away, driven out, because of the sinful condition that they have been holding on to. Okay. What's he doing here in this part of the prayer? The next key word here is remembrance. Remembrance. He is rehearsing with God some of the sacred history of God. Oh God, did you not drive out Going back into our people's history, did you not drive out those inhabitants when we came into the land? Those of the seed of Abraham, uh, your friend, did you not do this? So this is well recommended here. The second part of his prayer is when we pray with God that we, we have remembrance of what he has done. Okay? That we rehearse sacred history 
with God. This is a great example of prayer. And it's a great practice in prayer. We ought to start our prayer in the gear of thanksgiving. After we, after we give him the reverence that he deserves, then follow that up by getting in kind of a zone of thanksgiving. Just, just remind God, if you will. Not that God needs reminding, but rehearse with God the things that he has done, the sacred history and your own personal history of what God has done for you. And so it's very appropriate in prayer just to go through maybe some of the life of Christ or even go back to some of the prophets or go back even in these times of, of Saul, David, and Solomon or go back to when Moses led the people out of Egyptian bondage and just praise the Lord and, and rehearse with him the sacred history, and then, come, then let it come down to your own history, how that God has been working in your own life, and rehearse that with God. Okay. Perhaps you might want to, to talk to God. God, I am so mindful tonight of the time when you introduced me to the gospel, and so-and-so was teaching this class, or when so-and-so approached my door, or when I got into a conversation with this person or that person and that led me to the truth, oh Lord, you work that out. And thank you so much. Or perhaps you want to get into the personal history of how God was able to work out for you a good Christian home. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that young lady into my life. Thank you, Lord, for, for that young man. Thank you for working it out. Thank you, Lord. I understand, Lord, that you are the one that has helped us in our home. You have, you have blessed us. You have blessed us uh, in such an undeserving way. Perhaps you want to name off some people, some significant people who have helped you spiritually along the way. Perhaps you want to name. I often do this, and it helps very much that uh, most of our members sit in the same place uh, every Lord's Day and every Wednesday. It helps you remember them in prayer. You can just go across the auditorium, name them off in prayer. What are you doing? You're rehearsing with God your personal history and giving Him the, the gratitude and the thanksgiving uh, that He deserves. This is what Jehoshaphat is doing here. Remembrance, remembrance in prayer. Okay. Now, notice how Jehoshaphat says, you drove out those inhabitants, those inhabitants were, were people of the seed of Abraham. Abraham, your friend. See that? Underline that in 2 Chronicles 20. Abraham, your friend. Abraham was well known as the friend of God. And that's another good thing to think about as we pray. Am I a friend to God or am I a stranger? Is he a friend to me or is he a stranger? Am I well acquainted with his ways or am I lost? 
So Abraham, his friend. Notice that Abraham is described as his friend forever. You have forever, Lord. Worked in behalf of the seed of Abraham, your friend. Abraham had been gone. Abraham had died many years before. Abraham's body had been buried. For Abraham was still the friend of God. Okay. He was still very much alive. And God still considered him very much his friend. Even though his body had died, he was still yet with God. What a sweet, sweet passage this is. Remembrance. Remembrance. I remember when I first went to Kelly's house, Bridgeport, Alabama, just a little dumb 20-something-year-old. And her mother was just as kind and sweet as she always was. And she served chicken casserole. And I remember it like it was yesterday. She loved to put sour cream in her chicken casserole. I do not like sour cream. But I did not tell her for a long Kelly finally told her, Mom, David doesn't really like sour cream. But I wasn't about to tell her. I lapped it up like I loved it. Sweet, sweet memories. And that's what we ought to do in prayer is to rehearse with God so that we can give Him the proper credit. So notice what Jehoshaphat is doing through verses 6 and 7. All right. Any comments up to this point about Jehoshaphat's prayer? It's kind of like counting your blessings. But don't forget your blight so Mike's saying be sure to count your blessings but also when you say blights what are you talking about? Blights are blessings. You know, people look at the blights sometimes and they're going through and they don't look at the blessings they've had. What's a blight? B-L-I-S hardships. So thank God for the blessings but thank Him for the blights that He helped you get through as well. That's right. Thank Him for the hardships as well because through those hardships we often grow closer to God than we ever have uh, before. Very good. All right. So notice the next part of the prayer here, going back to 2 Chronicles uh, 20, now down to verses uh, 8 and 9. Okay. Jehoshaphat still praying, verse 8, talking about the seed of Abraham. He says, And they have, and they have lived in this land and have um, built for you in it a sanctuary, that is the temple for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword or, or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear us and save us. Verses 8 and 9. It's the third part of the prayer is confidence. Notice the confidence that Jehoshaphat has as he, as he prays. The Lord, she's saying, Lord, you brought us into this land 
And whenever affliction comes, and they're, they're afflicted right now, they are scared to death of this group that is um, threatening battle against them. He says, whenever this happens, we have committed that we will stand. We will stand. Emphasize that at first. Notice what verse is that? We will stand right there. Verse 9. Underscore that. He says, Over the times, Lord, whenever pestilence or famine or sword has come, we will stand. We have stood. We will stand before you in this house. We will stand. In other words, he's saying, Lord, no matter what comes our way, we will always stand with you. Whether it's famine, sword, or pestilence, whatever it is, whether it's personal or national tragedy, we will stand with you. What's he doing? He's expressing his confidence. He's making a resolute promise to the Lord in prayer. And that's the kind of thing we need to do to God in prayer, do with God in prayer. Okay? Make a firm resolution to Him. Tell the Lord, Lord, no matter what happens, whether you answer this prayer the way I want you to or not, I will be with you. I will stand with you no matter what. No matter how you answer, no matter what happens, I will be with you. Why? As we were saying Sunday night, because this is who we are. We are the Lord's. No matter what happens, Lord, okay, we will be with you. We will make our stand with you. Our confidence is in you, O oh Lord. See? And so this is exactly what we ought to do in prayer. Do I believe in God? Do I believe in all that He is? then I will not be fearful of making such a promise to Him, such a pledge to Him, such a vow to Him. Okay. One of the things you might want to do is to look up that word vow every once in a while and look into the Psalms and notice how that when they prayed in the Psalms, they would vow to God. Almost like um, they would make a deal with Him. Lord, we trust You. And we vow to you, as you bless us, then we will, we will serve and sacrifice for you. Notice the second part of the confidence here. He says, verse 9, We cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear us. I tell you, if we don't have this kind of confidence in prayer, then our prayers will not be heard. This is, of course, taught throughout the Scripture. We must believe, believe as we pray, believe in the God that we're praying to in order for our prayers to be effective. Now, what passage in the New Testament goes along with this idea? Okay, James. That's right. James 1, 5 through 7. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and he upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
He that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now, listen to James. Let not that man think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord. You see how important it is to have confidence? James says that. Let not that man, who, who's that? That man who wavers, who wavers, who vacillates back and forth. Well, one day he's with the Lord, the next day he's not so sure. That man's prayers uh, will not be effective, will not be uh, heard by God. All right. So the third part of prayer here is, you can see it, uh, confidence. Confidence. This brings us through verse 9. Verse 9. Now notice the last part of the prayer, verses 10 through 12. 10 through 12. This is kind of interesting. Let's read it. And now behold, Lord, now behold the men of, the, of Ammon, the men of Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, now they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are without power. We are powerless against this great horde of people that's coming against us. Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The last part here is dependence. Dependence. This is a huge part of prayer. We must depend on the Lord. Depend on the Lord. These people who are coming against Judah here are people, they're distant cousins of God's people. Okay? Ammon and Esau, etc. And when they came into the land, and, and the record of this is Deuteronomy chapter 2, if you want to jump back there and mark this, but God said, don't you touch these people. Don't you touch their land. Okay, so This is Deuteronomy 2, 4 and 5. He says, as they're getting ready to come into the land, he commanded the people, Deuteronomy 2, verse 4, you are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot is to tread on it because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Also, you can read the similar things about the other bands of these people, Deuteronomy 2 verse 9 and Deuteronomy 2 verse 19. But this is where this is coming from. Jehoshaphat knows his history. He says, Lord, when, we, when our people came into this land, you told us not to touch these people, and we didn't touch them. We didn't destroy their land. We didn't devour it. Okay? But now what are they doing? They are rewarding us by, by threatening battle against us right now. Oh, Lord, execute judgment on them. And so notice how they are depending on the Lord. 
But notice especially verse 12. He says, Lord, we don't have the power to stand up to this great horde of people. We do not know what to do. But we're going to keep our eyes on You. Now, have you prayed some prayers like that? Lord, I don't know what to do. But I trust in You. Lord, I don't have the power to fix this. But Lord, You do. You've got the power. I believe in You, Lord. You're going to do exactly as what needs to be done. Now this relates very much to the salvation that one gains in Christ because this is, this is our condition before God. In our sin, we are powerless. And we have no idea what to do. Just on our own. But with God's will being revealed in Scripture, in the New Testament, we can find salvation in Christ through submitting to the Gospel. Okay, But the proper attitude in coming to Christ is exactly explained here by Jehoshaphat. Lord, we're powerless and we do not know what to do. Okay. This, this ought to be a huge part in our daily prayers. As we ought to take our problems to God. There's a problem here. Jehoshaphat has a problem. He's quite fearful. But this is the proper prayer. And let God have it. And He will, I guarantee you, from a believing heart, He will take care of His people. Notice the four words here. Reverence. And then remembrance. And then confidence. And now here, what might be the most important part of prayer is dependence. Dependence. And I'm just falling before God. I'm bowing before Him. I'm giving up all of my wisdom, strength, and power and relying upon Him and Him alone to guide and to protect. Alright? So I wanted to share with you the four parts of this prayer. What is your reaction to some of these words of Jehoshaphat? He knew who his God was. He knew who his God was. Okay, very good. Very good. Julie's saying, the Lord told them way back there in Deuteronomy 2, we know you told us not to touch them now. Now here they come. Now what, Lord? Now what? And so the next thing here is the Lord's going to send a prophet. If you let your eyes go down to the paragraph of verses 13 through 17, the prophet's name, verse 14, is Jahaziel. Jahaziel. And he's going to talk to them. 
Anytime there's a prayer, it's always appropriate to have a sermon. So here it is. Verse 15, He said to the assembly, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, listen. Thus says the Lord. Now no preacher has a right to be standing up unless he's just speaking from the Lord. That's all. Thus says the Lord. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde of people. For the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle, but you just stand firm, hold your position, and you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Well, let your eyes go forward to verse 24. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the great horde of people, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods and clothing, precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in the taking of the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Barakah to this very day. So here we are, the prayer of Jehoshaphat, the prophet being sent out to tell them what to do, and then the Lord answered their prayer. Basically the people just devoured themselves. Those three bands of people that they were so worried about just began to fight among themselves and destroyed each other, but God was in the midst of all that. So here is an Old Testament example that tells us plainly that the Lord will answer will listen to and answer and respond to a faithful prayer. Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. He was not perfect. He was weak. Sometimes he would make, he would make um, alignments with, with Ahab and because of his fear. But, but more than not, Jehoshaphat had a great respect and devotion to God. You can read all of 2 Chronicles uh, 20 and then the chapters leading up to this, but these are some sacred times, uh, sacred for us because of all that we can learn and apply to ourselves. Okay, thank you so much for being part of this little session. And as you can see, I think you on your own could look down into this prayer and gain much more than what we've been able to discuss 
this evening. But I hope this has uh, given some encouragement to a more dedicated uh, prayer life. It, it has challenged me personally, and um, certainly we can spend time with God in prayer. What do we do when we're in prayer with God? Well, rehearse some history with Him. Give Him the due reverence that He needs. Make a resolute promise to Him. Express your confidence in Him. And then express your dependence upon Him. And then go to sleep and believe that He will act the way He needs to act. We'll take just a few minutes break and get back together here shortly.